Welcome back to another installment, my Truffle Hunters. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be counting down my top 20 movies of 2022. And we might as well not even try to add any fanfare and just jump right into it. Slotting in at the number 20 spot, Jurassic World Dominion. This is, this was, this was and is supposed to be the capper to decades of storytelling in the uh, the saga of the dinosaurs cohabitating with human beings. And not unlike the end to the, Squ- the Skywalker saga, they were not able to stick the landing. The movie faltered. It made no, no sense. After the end of Dominion, we were promised that we were going to be able to see dinosaurs roaming the land side by side with humankind. And we got little snippets of that, you know, here and there. But essentially, it was another story of how are we going to trick these stupid human beings into being in an enclosed island with a bunch of bloodthirsty, cretaceous periodic animals. They really, like, narratively missed the fucking ball. They really had a chance to to do something special, something that we have been promised since Steve Spielberg did Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. Anytime I've seen a dinosaur out, you know, beyond the confined spaces, I'm always, you know, like, yes, let's get to that. Let's see what the world does like. And they, they're just like, oh, no, 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 Negro. You want to be on an island. You want to go to the dinosaurs. You don't want the dinosaurs to come to you. You want to go to the dinosaurs. And so if it is truly the end of a saga, just like the Skywalker saga capper, they shit the bed. And after they shit the bed, someone came and disposed of the linens and and remade the bed up, and then they just shit the bed again. But that is number 20 with the bullet, Jurassic World Dominion. Coming in at number 19 is a movie from the dude who did Independence Day. He's Any movie that details America just being savaged by one force or another, this man is behind the director's chair or camera, however you want to say it. And number 19 is Moonfall. This is a movie that absolutely does not take it seriously. It's actually the movie that convinced me that the director of such hits like Independence Day and The Day After Tomorrow, that he was a full-blown crackpot, that he really believes this thing. So the whole premise of the movie, <laughs> Moonfall, is that the moon is a hollow construct, you know, that's been operating sentiently for, you know, since the dawn of mankind. It's it's a completely batshit movie, but it was a good time in the movies. You know, it was a good time at the movie theaters. It was a good film, and obviously it made an impression on me because that movie came out, like, I think pre-summertime. And I got a shout-out shout out, Regal Unlimited for just, you know, pay 21, 22 bucks a month and... You can go see whatever the fuck you want to see. Um, coming in at number 17 is a movie that I was actually going to... I was going to do an episode on it, but I wasn't prepared for the fact that... Uh, by the way, number 17 is weird, the Al Yankovic story. I wasn't prepared for the fact that a, auto, uh, a biographical movie 
would end up being a parody, a, a movie based on someone's life who parodies songs, that they would be extra clever and make the movie a parody of his real life. And so I sat and watched this movie for uh, an hour and some change, not knowing exactly how to quantify it and being kind of flustered and a bit frustrated because I'm looking at it through the lens of this is a biography, this is going to be straight. You know, they always, they always embellish when retelling stories and they like to gloss over like the ugly shit, you know, make the subject of the piece look uh, pristine and crystal clean. Um, it wasn't until I watched a couple videos on YouTube reviewing it that it's like, oh shit, like, you know what, that totally makes sense. It's just parody and it makes it that much more clever. The fact that I wasn't in on the joke kind of has me feeling a little bit dumb, dumb, but now nah, at number 17, be weird, the Al Yankovic story. Coming in at 16 is a Stephen King remake. Uh, the original starred Drew Barrymore. Uh, number 16 is Firestarter. This movie got so much unnecessary hatred. hatred um, for a movie that was a remake of a Stephen King adaption that was done previously, like decades previously, this is one of the better ones. If you're going to put Firestarter up against, like, I don't know, um, Pet Cemetery, Firestarter is definitely hands down, without a doubt, that's going to be... It, w it was just a good movie. I, I liked the vibe of it. I really did. I liked... Zach Efron in it, or as the French say, Zach Efron. <laughs> I liked him in it. I liked the little girl that starred in it. And we get, we got, you know, not that we don't, you know, it's rare that we see movies that are outside of DC or Marvel that are comic book related, but this was a superhero film. Even if people were like, no, 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 like, no, this movie was the dopest dope that I was going to smoke that month, the movie that came out. Um, it was good. I would like to see a sequel. You know, the movie leaves off the Native American character um, finding the aforementioned Firestarter, and speculation could abound in my mind. Um, I, would, I, am, I am desperate to see a sequel. Him training her up to be a little badass, like the most badass um, of the powered people in that universe. Number 15 is The Secrets of Dumbledore. Now, I know what you're thinking, any of you out there who are potheads, Harry Potter for life, son, uh, Expecto Patrona, Expelliarmus, you know, Wingardium Leviosa, um, Evada Kedavra, Crucio, all the spells. Can't figure out a spell to get my goddamn kids' moms to let me see my kids, but hey. Number 15, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Now, I did this review back when I had a co-host. And I'm like I'm always saying to you guys, I'm always behind the scenes. I'm peeking through the drapes. I busted out the doorknobs. I can peek through the hole. I, I'm lifting the drapes. I'm going behind the velvet rope in the VIP section. I'm always going beyond you guys' wildest hopes and dreams and imaginations when it comes to entertainment. So I knew that... These movies, these sequels, were suffering under the law of diminishing returns. You factor in the diminishing returns financially versus what they cost with the, almost from the onset, the drama, you know, the drama that was 
that involved Johnny Depp, you know, the accusations of him being a woman beater. He was vindicated of that this summertime. But then after that, you had, oh my God, I mean, it could have almost been called um, The Fucking Secrets of Ezra Miller because they were just like a fucking terror to most of Hawaii and kind of women everywhere and just, yeah, it's a hot fucking mess. And so I had said in the podcast that if they end this um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them uh, saga of movies, which in my honest opinion, I had said all the way back to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is that this whole franchise, this whole arm of the Harry Potter franchise is based off of one little like syllabus of a book. It's just, it's a book, basically, it's literally t- titled Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And it's, it's a teeny tiny little book, so I was always curious, you know, there wasn't very much of a story. Newt Scamander isn't as enthralling as Harold James Potter, you know what I'm saying? But I'd said when we reviewed this podcast, or when, <laughs> when we reviewed this podcast, when we reviewed this episode for the podcast, that if Warner Brothers decided not to continue any further that they had, you know, you still have the lore of everything that happened, the first great wizarding war. So you, you still have the lore of what happened between um, Dumbledore and his old flame, uh, Gellert Grindelwald, or Grindelwald. Uh, I was pleased with the way that things ended. I think, I, I thought that they ended on such a beautifully poetic note. You know, you have Queenie, and I can't remember him. Dan Fogler, he's kind of the main character of the movie, his human character. The movie ends with them getting married. Um, I, could, I could get teary-eyed just thinking about that because it was such a journey those two had been on. And so it was nice to both see them get the happy ending they so richly deserved. And so, yeah, there you have it, number 15, uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, coming in at number 14 is another movie that came out. It came out just a couple months ago. It's Halloween Ends, and again, this is a movie that I had reviewed on the podcast. I had said I was half and half, you know, the, the movie, they, they, so at the end of David Gordon Green's trilogy, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, they decide to take the, at the end of their, their trilogy, they decide to take it in a whole new uh, direction and put the focus of the picture on a character named Corey Cunningham brand new to the uh the material whatnot and i liked it i i wish they had done something like that like i don't know and halloween kills i think that the end is kind of a bizarre place to start something new but i have to say that i admire their tenacity and in, in trying something new for the most part it works you know what i'm saying um Still has its issues, but I found it to be, you know, when you start looking at some of the other Halloween movies, I found it to be pretty damn titillating. And uh, coming in at number 13 is a movie that I didn't imagine that I would be very invested in seeing, much less that it would actually end up being good. And that is, at number 13, Sonic 2. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fun. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I watch, and I just, I want to keep them to myself. And so I don't share my opinions with you guys on every single movie that I, I watch. But I enjoyed the hell out of Sonic 2. 
And uh, coming in at number 12 is another movie. There's a lot of horror in my list. And uh, at number 12, it's Scream 2022. Now, uh, it's a legacy sequel just like Halloween Kills. Um, I loved Scream 2022. It is... It's a little bit tedious that you have a formula, the scream formula is a bunch of people get offed. There's a main character that's, um, that's has some familial connections to the killer in some sort of way. A bunch of people gets killed. They, they lure the main character to the end. They unmask. All of a sudden they're carrying a gun instead of a knife and they exposition dump why they've done all this terrible murder, murder, stab, stab, bleed, bleed stuff. But Halloween 2 shook up the formula. You know, you've had the three mainstays of Gale, Dewey, and Sydney. They've been around since Scream back in like the 90s. They fucking killed Dewey Riley. They finally, you know, found their balls and they did something that I never thought was going to be possible. I thought that whenever this franchise ended that the main the mainstays of the franchise the reason that people keep on coming back and 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 keep on coming back i didn't think they were going to go away but they they showed they have real true balls um they killed poor dewey number 11 is a movie another another movie that i reviewed uh on the podcast and i i was a fan of it it's a movie called yuma Stars Sandra O, oh, and I think the less I say about this one, the better. It's it's a teeny teensy bit scary, but I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, just trust me. It's good. It was good enough to make it to the top twenty movies of twenty twenty two. So just trust me on that one. And uh, we're coming in. We're breaking in. We're in the top ten now. And coming in at number ten is X. And this is bro. Like, when you talk about a throwback to a foregone era of horror movies where there, is, there isn't any explanation, explanation, there isn't any exposition, there is no rhyme or reason for why the things are happening, the murders are happening the way they're happening, X is that callback. Like, the, what X reminded me of a little bit, kind of a sibling, a redhead stepchild to the movie, the original uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, one that didn't star Jason, starred Pam Voorhees. And I want anybody who ever has to do trivia to write that down and remember it. The killer of Halloween, or my bad, the killer of Friday the 13th was Pamela Voorhees. Jason Voorhees didn't show up until Friday the 13th Part 2. Just remember that. Uh, anyways, X is a throwback to those foregone... The, the long forgotten era of horror movies where there wasn't any explanation, exposition, there wasn't any rhyme or reason or explain, explaining, yeah, explaining. People was just getting offed left and right. And uh, coming in at number nine is the prequel to X called Pearl. And if you're wondering how it ever started, excuse me, just one Sorry about that, you guys. So, yeah, uh... Like I was saying before, number nine, Pearl. It's the prequel to X, and it explains in fairly decent detail why the 
at least at the very least, the old woman in X is the way that she is. And again, the less I say about this movie, especially since it's so recent and it's a prequel to the one I just mentioned at number 10, the less I say, the better. If, if anybody who's listened to this list plans to watch these movies that I'm basically recommending as the cream of the crop for 2022. And so we'll just move on to number eight. Number eight is The Batman starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, um, and a bunch of other people that I can't remember at this point in time. Um, so anybody who knows me knows that I'm a pretty huge Batman fan. Well, no, I'm a very huge Batman fan. I wouldn't say Batman is life, but I am a huge fan of The Dark Knight. Um, they always ask me, is it the best Batman movie of all time? And I, I have to tell them to this very day, no. Um, the Dark Knight sits about probably five feet above the Batman. And it's just, if for nothing else, in simple fact, then the Dark Knight got there and, and told the best Batman story ever committed to screen. And so the Batman was always going to kind of be in the Dark Knight's shadow. But this is still a fantastic fucking movie. It's one of the top grocers of this year. And uh, if for nothing else, it proves that all that unnecessary hatred towards Robert Pattinson for his role in Twilight was very unnecessary. The boy did his damn thing, man. Like, this is... It's, it has um, probably one of the most entrancing versions of Gotham City. Like, you know, we all know by now Gotham City is a place where people's parents get murdered after seeing a screening of Zorro in an alleyway over a set of pearls. Um, Gotham City is not the place that, you know, if it was a real place, ain't no place you would actually want to move to. But for me, Matt Reeves version of Gotham City, it feels like a real living, living, breathing thing. I want to move there. If that was a real place, I would be there like a motherfucking square, no doubt. I just, I liked it, and I'm a huge fan of what Zoe Kravitz did with, with Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. I'm, I'm interested to see this universe get fleshed out. The only thing I can say for certain that I'm not high on is I did not need the Joker to show up in the Batman. I don't, that's, that's a story for another time. But yeah, number eight, the Batman. And number seven... It was a movie that was supposed to originally be released in theaters, but the pandemic, the sale of 20 or the sale of uh, Fox Studios to Disney and some other things led to this movie being put on streaming only, which is a shame because I definitely wouldn't have gone to the theaters and paid money to see this movie. But number seven is Prey, the prequel to the Predator series. And uh, it stars Amber Mid-Thunder. It has the option on Hulu to either watch it in the original tongue of Apache or to watch it in, you know, them speaking perfect American accents, which is I got a screener so I could do it from a podcast and I was forced to watch the version that only had the American accents, the English accent style, and it was just so fucking jarring too watch a period piece where they should be speaking. Just basically, if you're wondering, if you're going to watch Prey, don't be an asshole. Read the, read the subtitles, watch it in their native tongue. It's a lot more beautiful 
a lot more of a fully engrossing um, film that way. And like I said, Miss Amber Mid Thunder is fucking badass. She gets, she handles her motherfucking shit. She gets it done. She's in that shit to win it, you know? That's why it's at number seven, because it's a good fucking movie. All right, coming in at number six is Tom Holland. Probably not the Tom Holland movie you thought that I was going to slot in at this slot, but I'm making a concerted effort to, I mean, the Batman squeaked past, but I, I made a concerted, concerted effort when I was putting this list together to excommunicate any comic book films because I've, I've been labeled from time to time from people that have listened to the podcast as someone who is a little too heavy-handed in, in um, the comic book movie realm. So I made a concerted effort. Basically, sorry, long story short, you probably thought that the Tom Holland movie that I was going to slot in at number six would be Spider-Man No Way Home, but it's actually Uncharted, a movie that when I heard, I mean, Uncharted has been in production for so fucking long, y'all. It's been in production for so long that I didn't think it was a movie that was going to get made. And if you play the video games, you you kind of don't need a movie. Just play the games. It's kind of what I was thinking the whole time. I did, I did not expect this movie. Again, this is another movie that I covered on the podcast. Um, I did not expect to like this movie as much as I did. I, I had forgotten that I like globetrotting, you know, movies like this. I, I forgot how much I like movies that are basically homage to Indiana Jones. I thought this was a fun movie. And, you know, if things fall flat with Spider-Man, this is a Sony movie, you know, because Uncharted is a Sony PlayStation exclusive. So if things fall flat, you know, they're not able to renegotiate between Sony and Marvel to share Tom Holland's iteration of Spider-Man. Sony ain't really got to blink too hard because this movie made a, a shitload of money. They've got another Tom Holland franchise. And the good thing about this is that him getting older is not going to hurt the franchise. It's only going to strengthen it. Um, I, I enjoyed Tom Holland's interpretation of Nathan Drake. <clears throat> I'm not a fan of Mark Wahlberg, but by the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, I see Sully. You finally got that mustache. I see you, dog. I see you. All right. I see you, big dog. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, coming in at number five, Lightyear. This is, uh, they, they haven't been very clear on where in the Toy Story, Toy, Toy Story, Toy Story mythology Lightyear slots in. The only thing I can assume is that Buzz Lightyear was a real space um, explorer. The, the way that the movie makes sense to me in my head is that this is the toy is based on a real person, okay? And so with that, with that headspace, I, I liked it. Buzz Lightyear has always been like my favorite character. Toy Story, I had one of them. The, the first iteration of the Buzz Lightyear animatronic toy that came out, I got that for my birthday. I actually tossed him with his wings extended and his arm broke, the same arm that broke in the movies when Andy tried to do that with Buzz. Yeah, uh, deep cuts when we talk about me and Buzz Lightyear, man. To infinity and motherfucking beyond, my nigga. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously I liked it enough to put it at number five. And number four is probably one of the most out there and what the fuck. Well, not 
not too far out there. You know, this movie, um, sorry, number four is the movie Hatchling. It's a very, very horror-centric. It's, a, I think, a Swedish horror movie. Don't quote me on that. Swedish or Dutch horror movie. So um, for anybody who hates subtitles, probably just include this one out. But it's in, it's in the same, shares the same DNA, some of the same DNA with movies like Mimic or Species, stuff like that you know, body horror, and again, the less I say, the better, but just take my word for it. It wouldn't be a number four if I wasn't completely in for a penny, in, per, in for a pound with Hatchling. And number three, I'm very horror-centric with this fucking list, son, but number three is another movie that came out on Hulu that they could have put in theaters, and I would have paid money, or I would have, you know, gone the Regal Unlimited route, but I would have, I would have put my butt in that seat, and I would have watched it. And that's Hellraiser, the uh, remake or reinterpretation, and it skews a lot closer to the books. Or, yeah, the books in terms of the character Pinhead and whatnot. And if nothing else, it's, it's a nice update for something that is a, a movie or franchise that is so lauded after and loved by the hardcore community. And so, yeah, number three is Hellraiser. And number two is a Netflix movie, so take that for whatever it's worth. It's called The Bubble, and it deals with a group of actors going to shoot a movie during the pandemic and their struggles with having to stay inside of what we all knew, the us normies, during the early days of the pandemic. They had these bubbles, you know. They had one for the NBA where people would have to stay in, as I mentioned, a bubble. It's funny if... if if I can't convince you for nothing else, then just go because it's got uh, Keegan-Michael Key of Key and Peele fame in it. Also of Friends from College and a lot of other things. Keegan-Michael Key starring in The Bubble. And number one, with a fucking bullet. Number one is Jordan Peele's Nope. Like, come on, y'all. Did you really think that I was going to put anything else as my fucking number one? Actually, at one point, my number one was going to be Kristen Stewart's Spencer, but I'd Google that and found out that it came out last year, so that would invalidate it as the number one with a bullet choice for my top 20 movies of 2022. And, yeah, I was going to go number two as Nope and number one as Spencer, but Spencer was last year, and we're talking this year, Bay, Bay, Bay. Um, Jordan Peele's Nope, man. None of us knew what the fuck this movie was about. I kind of thought the nigga had lost his mind when he revealed the fucking title of the movie. It's just nope. And it's like, okay. You've been very smart and calculated with the the first two movies that you've done. What's this? Like, have you finally smoked the Hollywood crack pipe? What's going on? No, he didn't smoke the Hollywood crack pipe, people. He told... A movie that is original in the fact that it's a throwback, so it kind of invalidates its originality. But it's a movie that's an original because it's a throwback. You know, you've got lots of, you've got a Western story, you've got the UFO story, you've got a Predator versus Prey story. It is so fucking good. It, I, it's the movie that I've seen the most this year. I saw that movie six times in theater. It's on Peacock. I've got the Peacock app. I'm paying the subscription. I'm about to peep it out again for a seventh time this year. Um, 
it's a movie that you only pick up more and more and more. The layers just, it's, it's like an onion. You just keep peel, peeling back layers and finding a new interesting layer and a new interesting layer. And you're finding all these interesting layers while wiping tears of elation, appreciation, and joy off of your cheeks. Uh, Jordan Peele's Nope. It's so many, so many lessons to be learned. And a lot of people say this movie was dumb. It made no sense. It didn't have a point. No, there was a very good point. This is multiple uh, cautionary tales there. The number one cautionary tale that I picked up from off this movie is us as human beings collectively, we need to stop looking at wild creatures and thinking that they belong to us, thinking that we can capture them and tame them and film them and show them off and, and make a spectacle out of them to to benefit our own pockets, to line our own pockets. And the other moral of the story that I picked up, a little other little nugget of wisdom I picked up on is that in this day and age there are so many of us that are that, you know, we see something that's so wild. Instead of doing what our forebears might have done in terms of turning the other way and fucking running, we we are a society that when something majorly fucked up is happening, our first inclination is to grab, pull our phones out of our pockets and hit record. We are a society that is constantly trying to get another like or another follow, follow, not follow, a follow. And so the lesson that I picked up from this movie is be careful of what you seek because what you seek may be seeking you and it may not be seeking you for the intentions that you are seeking it. AKA, stop trying so damn hard to be famous because once you get to the top of the mountain and you all you have left to do is look down, you might discover that the view looking down from a top is horrible. And some of our characters, a lot of the characters in Nope found this lesson out the hard fucking way. And that's why I appreciate it because not only is it a great horror movie, but Jordan Peele has, he's the modern horror storytelling man. He's not just going to tell you a scary story, but the story is going to have a weight and a heft and there's going to be a reason behind why it's happening. It's not just going to be happening. It's not an M. Night Shyamalan movie where the rest of the movie doesn't really matter because we're just waiting to get to the twist ending. No. Jordan Peele, in the, in the three movies he has, he's done more for horror in three movies than most people will do for horror or cinema or film in general in their entire lifetime. I'm not going to hear any arguments. That is my number one with the fucking bullet, Jordan Peele's nope. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jensen's Top 20 Movies of 2022. It's probably a lot in there you guys are going to disagree with, but again, this is my list. So, you know, hate it or love it, the underdog's on top. And I'm going to shine, homie, until my heart stops. Go ahead and envy me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere so you can get to know me. Catch you on the next one. Peace.